0: Welcome to Keepers of the Word. We're an esoteric study group of Freemasons, our purpose of sharing knowledge of mystery schools and debunking misconceptions about Freemasonry.
1: You're here with Ron and Mike. Disclaimer, any of the opinions expressed on Keepers of the Word are solely ours and do not belong to any organizations or other Masonic lodges.
0: Our guests tonight are uh, Donald Joe from...
2: One World Stage and Screen. All right,
0: and Daniel Alexa
2: from Daniel Alexa Hypnotherapy.
0: Awesome! Thanks for joining us tonight, guys. Thank
1: you. Thank you. So, Don, um, let's go ahead and get started. What? What's uh, talk to us about One World? The One World Show.
3: Uh, the One World Show. The came out of an idea that uh, One World Stage and Screen is a nonprofit organization that we were working with uh, at-risk youth in the acting, uh, performing arts field. Uh, what we decided to do with the show is to give a little bit more voice to them, to bring them out a little bit more, to find uh, you know, other people to assist, uh, such as Indigo Beehive that has come in to help produce the show and help market and help the, the children in the, in the organization. Uh, from there, uh, we've developed a lot more. Uh, we've gone into taking the show to a level of helping others helping others that are in the nonprofit or other organizations that are trying to reach out and help children as well. So now we're trying to be a hub to give them a voice to put them out there as well. Right on. How did you get
1: involved with this organization?
3: Actually, it was by mistake. Uh, I was working with some talent with, uh, through Studio C Artists, which is a acting school in, in Hollywood and found out that the owners, uh, Michael Sontag and Johnny Coppola, who founded One World Stage and Screen, had this nonprofit organization. And my background has been in the sports industry with nonprofits, with Major League Baseball, with the RBI program. And I saw the need. You know, I was very impressed by their training. It was similar to that of, of the sports side. You know, It was just putting in work. So when they, uh, they decided to do some changes. They were on a lot of movie sets and doing a lot of different things. So they asked me if I wanted to come in and take over and I, I gladly did it.
0: So what was your initial goal for One World when you did take over?
3: My initial goal was to take it into the performing arts because One World stage and screen, like I said, was only dealing with the acting and the LGBTQ community, homeless teens, uh, at-risk youth. And there was a broader spectrum. Uh, There was the music side. I have uh, many of my former athletes who decided to get into the music side of it, and my own son decided to get into acting, and I saw the the troubles. I saw the hardships, and I decided, you know, I want to get into this and help do a little bit more.
1: Awesome. Um, How has the program improved over time?
3: Well, it's improved because of our networking. Um, Being able to find the entities out there that really want to help, the groups, the Masonic groups that want to help, uh, LA Harbor Lodge, uh, again, Indigo Beehive, Keepers of the Word, uh, Samson Technologies. I mean, we have a list of people that have jumped on the bandwagon to help us push this cause and make this movement happen.
0: So what kind of an impact is the organization having and... What do you, what, what kind of an, what, what's your vision to see the impact going?
3: our, our impact is, uh, to level the playing field. Uh, we want to give everybody an equal opportunity to put their skills out there, put their, you know, be it sports, be it the performing arts, anything, you know, painting, whatever. Uh, if you have your dream, we want to keep your dream going. We don't want you to, in life things happen. But that dream has to remain. So if we can help foster that, we're there. Hmm. What um, <clears throat> What topics are you planning to planning on kicking off for your first show? The uh, I mean, we've we've had a lot of people reach out to us, but the biggest one that touched my heart was I uh, recently ran into a, a fellow brother, uh, Tommy Ray Smith, who's also a Shriner. And he has a uh, 5, 10K run walk that, he's, that he does. And this is his third one. And Coming and, up in, yeah, in April, right? Yeah, coming up in April. Uh, he and his wife, Michelle, great people. Um, but they're full-time workers. I mean, they have their own job. Uh, this is what I do for a living. And as a brother, I'm there to help. And I told them that anything that we can do to help promote the, the event to uh, you know, get more people in because it's for a good cause. It's for the Shriners Medical Center for Children. And, you know, we got to put our names out there. We have to, to do more in this world.
0: Tommy's a great guy. He's involved with the um, with the Motor Patrol and the Shrine. So he's a, yes. he's a fellow biker, and um, he's he invited the Ruffians, which is the club that I'm a member of, um, to be part of that 5k 510k walk run last year and um we were really stoked that they invited us to come back again this year so i know i know he has a great big heart and he really does love those kids and he really wants to just promote the heck out of the hospital and everything that it is
3: and that's what we're here to do anything that we can help and you know people please go to our facebook page for one world stage and screen you'll see the listing for the 510k walk uh walk run um I'll be doing the walking. I'm not doing any anymore. I mean, <laughs> my athletic days are over. But, uh, you know, please, you know, take a look at it. And if you're into it, be there. You know, we'll all be there as well. Do they
1: have a website or is it like ShrinersHospital.com? Or they have a? I know they have a Facebook page. Yeah, they, they have a, have have a Facebook the 510K page. Walk Run walk, Facebook run face? page for, okay. for the Shriners and Hospital. And Instagram as well. Instagram. Um, I will have all of that on the show. And okay. So we could plug it and, you know. Just get the word out. Let yeah. people know. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and it's
0: there's stuff to do at that show aside from walking and running. I mean, they they have vendors there, they've got music they're doing. They had last year they did a little Zumba mini class kind of thing to get all the kids involved and people, you know, loosened up to get ready to go on the walk and run. And yeah, they had uh the ruffians were out there, Baca was out there, which is another Motorcycle organization, uh, Bikers Against Child Abuse, um, food, snacks. It's a nice day to come out and just hang out with the family and support the Shriners.
3: One thing, I'd like to challenge all uh, Shrine groups out there to get involved with this uh, 510K walk run. I challenge you all. Come see me. I'm in these streets, people. All right. I like that. Thanks, Don. Thank you very much, Don. And
1: uh, now we're going to continue on with our topic of, uh, for this episode, two of Keepers of the Word, holistic spirituality, mental alchemy, um, which includes self-hypnosis and meditation. Um, getting in on what that, that is, uh, back in the Middle Ages, alchemists sought to transform base metal into gold. They searched for an elusive substance, the Philosopher's Stone which would bring about this conversation known as alchemy. But to initiates of the ancient mystery schools, alchemy was primarily an allegory for the real work of spiritual and mental alchemy. So You want to take on the next one?
0: Yeah, spiritual alchemy is the process of transforming a less evolved soul personality into a more refined one. The founders of all major religions have attempted to expedite this transformation by providing rules to help people achieve this goal and also lead happier and more productive lives. Enlightenment, illumination, the perfection of the soul all points to this ultimate goal. Mystics from all religions have studied the universal laws to speed up this process which they believe occurs over many lifetimes. Even within Masonry, we have the concept of the Uh, The rough Ashler and the perfect Ashler and it's a it's a very similar concept that we're taking You know our malleable soul and creating perfection with it, so
3: Okay
1: On, on mental alchemy Mental alchemy is the process of transmuting transmuting your thoughts to improve your life and expand your mind The good news is that the discipline can produce immediate and beneficial results in your current life in some cases instantly mental alchemy involves the replacement of beliefs that are hindering your development with positive ones that will help you. You might say that sounds straightforward. Why would this be so difficult? Well, that's why we have Daniel Alexa to explain (sighs) this and kind of bring it all together. Now I know we're talking about it from, from, you know, more uh, alchemic kind of way, but the, the, you could probably make more sense, make more sense when, you know, we bring it up in, uh, when you're speaking to somebody.
2: Yeah, it, it really, it's that concept, that etheric concept brought down to the ground and brought down re- literally into the body of what is, I think of the best way that I describe this to my clients. We, and so many people have been here that you're at that moment in your life feeling like I'm stuck. And you have this internal churn in your mind saying, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. All those limiting beliefs. When that is just the ego, the, the things that we learn, the story we live and the culture that we grow up in, that soup that we're, we're the fish swimming in the cultural soup and we don't even know we're in the water because it's just always there. But there's that idea or that feeling that things could be better that I I know I wouldn't be miserable if I didn't know my life could be better or have some sense of it that's the calling of the higher soul the the higher self the the calling from spirit if you want to call it that whatever whatever your concept of that higher energy is what you want to call it God the universe source doesn't matter to me um but that's the calling forward and it's the the ego getting in the way
0: Hmm. So basically it's from your perspective, would you say that, um, because I, I've seen plenty of people in life where it's the poor me and no matter what, no matter what, they never break out of that. They're always, there's always some outside source to blame for their problems, for why they are who they are. And no matter what they they oh, don't yeah. ever pull out of it. So, Oh, yeah. So then there's is you're seeing those people that are coming in and finally able to break loose from
2: that and say, okay, there's something I else. Help them break the loop because it, it's easy to get in that loop of it's mm-hmm. somebody else. The, the man has me down. My boss hates me. I can't get ahead. My wife, my spouse, my parents, the list goes on. We have no control over those other people. The only thing we have control over is ourselves and how we feel about it and what we want to do. And... That doesn't mean that when we take that attitude and we step out and start taking action to make our ideal life, that it's going to be easy. There's going to be more challenges in that path, and there's there are those people that just don't want to do the work. Like, oh, it's too hard. I'm putting my hands up now. Let me walk away. I'm done. Rather than persevering through, because just you, even even a chicken breaking out of an egg has to go through that pain and that fear, because the comfort zone of the eggshell is literally suffocating them at that point in time. it's either suffocate or go out and explore the field. Hmm. The process
1: behind that, say somebody comes to you, you know, I'm I'm going through this loop, you know, they have that poor me attitude. They can't get out of it. How do you initiate that process? Because it's got to be pretty scary,
2: right? It can be. And it depends on how we go about it. Because sometimes there are those moments when Maybe as I'm doing hypnotic work, we go back to the moment in time when that limiting belief was instilled. When, that moment when they took it on, and we have to revisit it and release it. That it was taken on as a mistaken belief at that point in time. So um, when I'm teaching life coaching, one of the concepts I talk about is we there's the the idea of a of learned helplessness. Anything you learn, you can unlearn, mm-hmm. um, and the idea that Maybe, let's say we have two twin siblings, and one wakes up in the middle of the night and starts screaming. It just happens that their crib is farther away from the door than their brother or sister, who then starts screaming. Parent wakes up two, three rooms away, not knowing which one, just hearing noise, walks in, and because we're all creatures of physics, turns, path of least resistance, grabs the closest child which happened to be number two in the screaming list hmm. this scenario plays out and so either the first child who started screaming has to wait before his brother his her brother or sister is is comforted or till the second parent comes in and there's that slight time delay and that plays out over days weeks months and that the the first child starts thinking, wait, wait a minute I, I wanted help first why are they picking up my sibling first; they must like him better, and the story starts that oh, they like they like my sibling better than me, and then starts looking for reinforcement to play that up. He got a big he got a bigger piece of dinner, he got a better car when he got turned sixteen, whatever it is. All false stuff, and when we go back and revisit that scene from an adult perspective, realize that oh. That my, my brother or sister was just closer to the door. Hadn't, there was no value judgment in that at all. They just wanted to get back to sleep. Now I get it.
1: Hmm. That is a, that's interesting to think of it that way because you, you don't really take into consideration those, those small little things that happen to you when you're an infant or a toddler, or, you know, child. Um, little things like that happen to you and they mess with your confidence.
2: They do. And I do a, one of the types of work that I do with hypnosis is called parts therapy. And the idea behind parts therapy is that we all have subordinate parts to our personality, not divergent, not, not like separate personalities, but subordinate and somewhere in time, typically from maybe like the time we're born or shortly thereafter up until seven, eight, maybe 10 years old is when, these parts tend to take on their jobs and they take on a story that in that moment in time is helpful. It's a protective mechanism in some way that helps us fit in with our parents or keeps us out of a threat. And then our parts are always trying to help us. They're never trying to harm us, but they stop growing at that moment in time. So that part that says I have to do things this way, or I'll get yelled at. So I'm, I'm going to make sure I always do them this way, that I never speak up when we're 25, 35, 45 or older is not helping us when we're trying to get ahead at work or right. have a conversation of, dessert, of with our spouses. And we have to go back and help, kind help that part unlearn its job and take on the energy and focus its energy toward where the person wants to go. That's the other key part. What do they want out of life? Where do they want to go? because it's not just being mired in the past, I can bring you to the present unmired in the past. Now where do you go from here? And that's the other part of the work I do is let's get connected to that vision, that feeling of where you want life to go. So manifesting and also taking action mm-hmm. once
1: the, once you start going. Yeah we were having a conversation earlier about that <laughs> about you know wisdom. give me give me wisdom, give me unlimited wisdom. but at the same time, if, if you have that unlimited wisdom and you do not apply it, then it's useless, mm-hmm. you know. I'm pretty sure you've talked to certain people that have come to you for help, and you've given them a step one, two, three, and they go past two, and that's it. And you know, I think yeah. that's that's probably the hard part for all of us is to understand that you know you got to go past your threshold in
2: order to get to where you need to get yeah. to. If you're going to grow, you have to. Yeah. you have to push Be past that comfort zone. Yeah, and um, even there was a a thought that was coming to my mind there of moving through the idea of taking action. And it's one of the reasons the book, the secret irritates me so badly (laughs) is that it was all about, Oh, if I just wish for it, everything will be wonderful. Never talked about taking action. But if, if I want, if I have a wish and a vision of winning the lottery, I've got to at least go out and buy a ticket. Right. Or if if I don't want to put my $2 down, that That's right, when, if, if one is blowing down the street, I still have to bend down and, and pick, pick it up, up and put it in my mm-hmm. pocket because it's not going to yeah. magically slide in there. In,
0: intention without action is yeah. pointless.
2: Yeah. So bring that idea down, that, that idea that is, if it's for your highest good, is coming from the higher awareness. You have to bring it down into the body and start doing things in three-dimensional reality to make it real.
1: Hmm. What got you interested in psychology to become become in becoming a hypnotherapist? Was that your first career choice as a child, or no. did you have other things going on?
2: Uh, my as a child, I wanted to be a scuba diver, which I also became. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a a big thing for Sea uh, Hunt and Mike Nelson, so my vision when I was three years old was to be a scuba diver, and that finally came to pass, and I actually even became a scuba diving instructor. So I. While I lived in Kansas City, I was teaching. I taught over 200 people how to scuba wow. dive in, in the time that I was there.
0: In the middle of the country. In the middle, in of, the middle of the country. <laughs> yeah. Lakes. Lakes are wonderful places they to learn. They are, especially if you don't have an ocean.
2: And my my path to this, my as my career moved forward, my, my original background is in commercial art and design. And then I moved into broadcasting and moved into sales And I literally was burning out in my last corporate jobs. i just, I had spent 15 years working for three different family owned companies and I had the wrong last name at every one of them. And it just got to me where I had to walk away. And in the process of walking away, I was blessed with having two books cross my path. Um, One, Blue Zones, about the places in the world where people live to be over 100 at a statistically higher rate than anywhere else in the world. And a book called Black Hole Focus by a guy named Isaiah Hankel, and he's become a mentor of mine. Both books presented the concept out of Okinawa that Okinawans don't have a word for retirement in their language, but they have a word that I think is pronounced ikigai that roughly translates to the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. It's about living with purpose. Like I'm not just getting up, but I'm getting up with a purpose to my day. And I started asking myself after reading this and seeing it in two books, like, okay, I know I'm supposed to be paying attention here and woke up every day. Why am I going to this job that they don't respect me? I have lost my respect for them. Why, what am I going in for? And the surface answer is always, so you have a paycheck and can pay the mortgage. Right. I'm like it's not it, I'm not feeling it. I can, I can do that somewhere else. Um, it took about three weeks and a client called one day and said, we need you to come over here and help us figure this project out. We don't know how to get there, but we know you will. And when I hung up the phone, the light was over my head. Like, I love problem solving and I love negotiating through to find the best solution. And I felt that in my core when I had that realization. And at that point I stepped back to ask, where am I, where do I take that? And at that moment was getting ready to move from Kansas city to Florida knew that I was reinventing. And in what I can only call a moment of universal alignment, as I'm researching hypnotherapy schools in Florida, there is one. Teaches a state-certified program of 500 hours, and we were living. We were going to be living in Naples, which is like 30,000 people in the summer. They had satellite campuses in Tampa, St. Pete, Orlando, Miami, and Naples. Nice. Shut up and take my money. I know where I'm (laughs) supposed to be. (laughs) Oh man! So, can you give me a, a
1: little bit of how? the process works when somebody comes to you and they're asking for help is there a step one step two step three and in those steps i know you'd
2: want to give away the recipe but how do you engage sure um we sit down i'll do first i'll do the phone call they'll they'll call me i i don't offer scheduling on my site because i want to get a sense of what they want to work on before we ever meet but when they do come in and meet I, I want to understand where they are now. What are the challenges, the disruptions that they're feeling? And get a really good snapshot of that. And then where do you want to go? What, if you're feeling frustrated, angry, sad, what are the opposites of those things? What's the op- and On any that person's words. Because all of us are going to have, if you, if you don't want to be sad, what do you want to feel? One might say happy. One might say joyous. One might say gleeful. That's their word. And it is incredibly important that I use their word because that's going to resonate most with their mind. Um, and then typically in first session, I will work with them to co-create a series of suggestions that I'll then deliver to them in their, that relaxed state where they the churn of their conscious mind is quieted and we have direct conversation mm-hmm. com- with the subconscious and record that session so they can listen to those suggestions over and over his beliefs whether they are supportive or whether they are limiting are impressed into our subconscious typically in one of two ways either in a moment of shock or through repetition of hearing the same thing over and over and over so by listening to listening to the recording that's supporting where they want to go and and those beliefs that those statements that they are worthy they are deserving all these things Um, we can reinforce that idea that they can achieve and move forward. And then in other sessions, as maybe as a block comes up, maybe it's one of those parts that doesn't want to give up its job yet. We'll go in and talk to it directly. Now, like peeling an onion, we start with what's on the surface and then see what comes up next.
1: Now, when, when you're doing that, is there certain areas that can be dangerous uh, where, where you're kind of, you're kind of reprogramming. This basically I don't know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Is there is there a way that, you know, always people can take advantage of, of that with that power?
2: Correct? Actually, no. 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 Um, one of the misconceptions of hypnosis is that I as a hypnotherapist, or and I hate the word hypnotist, but I'll use it right now because people <laughs> know it. Um, that we in that role are in some way in control, and the person is just checked out and they're just like an open treasure chest for us to put stuff in. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. Mm. The person is fully aware. They're probably more aware than we are hearing, having this conversation right now. They're at at the brainwave level that is just above deep REM sleeps. They're in a theta brainwave. They know everything that's going on in the room. And if they want to say, you know what, this isn't working for me. They can open their eyes and get up and walk out. They are completely in control. I cannot hypnotize anyone to do something that is outside of their moral ethical code hmm. if they if something comes up that they don't want to tell me they don't have to whether that's a true moment of um, trauma from their past that it's too embarrassing to bring up or maybe it's something that 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 three four five year old self was so embarrassed by but it's absolutely nothing but as a three or five year old we're thinking oh my god I could hmm. they don't have to say it they, yeah. it, then since our subconscious won't bring up anything that we're not ready to process, doesn't mean it, it's not going to be a release of emotion, but until they are ready to process it, it will stay back. Interesting. Is there a marriage that you see between,
1: um, the mental alchemy and, and meditation? Is there a way that those two, have to talk in order to achieve a higher sense of consciousness
2: I think there is and I think it the meditation part of it whether it's meditation or whether it's hypnotic is getting to that that connection to the higher awareness whatever whatever that person wants to call it and their higher self what's that what's that thing that they are being called forward to do and I think that's where the meditation, and self hypnosis, which all hypnosis is self hypnosis, um, helps to create the alchemy because we're breaking down that ego self that has the limiting ideas. That's what's getting in the way of the alchemy is I'm not good enough. The monkey mind. The monkey mind. Quiet the monkey mind. Quiet the monkey mind. And in a way, and the funny thing is, we quiet it not by telling it to shut up but by appreciating it because it's there to help us in some way. There is there is a function for it here that keeps us alive. Right. But at the same time, it also tends to hold us back because it's learned all these limiting things as we've grown up and functioned in the world. So it's, thank you for be making me aware of this. Now I'm going to go do it. You, you can help me guide forward or you can keep me stuck in fear.
0: I think also... The ego wants to be able to continue and by trying to quiet it or whether you're trying to kill the ego, you know, how, whatever that is, it wants, it wants to sustain. And so it's
2: difficult. It does. And that goes in as we talk about the ideas of, um, alchemy and that all is one. And there's that, that idea that the non-dualistic interpretation Mm -hmm. that, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the book. Um, it'll come to me in a second. So the Disappearance on... of the Universe. Oh. Um, and it's the story of a guy here from Southern California who his story is that over na- the period of nine years, he was visited by two ascended masters. And each year they gave him a project to work on and checked on his progress. And it all, as they're describing the idea of non-dualism, is that at some point in time, this thing that they're they're calling as ego for the purpose of the conversation said, yeah, I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And then it took on this idea that, Oh, I'm, I'm some way shamed. I'm, I'm not going to be welcome back to the whole. And that created the universe for it to have an experience. And that's, what's playing out. And once, once that piece realizes that it is forgiven and can come back anytime, the universe will cease to have a purpose and will cease to exist. And same thing in us, the, that uh, whole idea of as above, so below, it plays out. Think about the, on a grand scheme, and it, lots of people have been talking about this for years, that coming of a new awareness to the world, that that, that more peaceful mm-hmm. age of Aquarius, whatever. Yep. As that mindset's moving in and there there tends to be more acceptance that we've we've moved a long way from the 1950s not to say there isn't room to grow but we've right. come a long way absolutely but look at what's going on in news feeds the news in the world in social media anywhere any point that somebody can point out you're different than me is what gets pushed out there and that separation it's yeah. the Div- ego trying Div- to stay division. alive yeah. And divide and conquer a friend of mine talks about it as um extinction response and she <laughs> described it to me as when you're when you're training your dog and you you want it to not bark at people when they walk by so if somebody walks by you give the dog a treat if somebody walks by and it barks you ignore it and she's talking to me about a year ago she says you know if, at the moment right before that response is trained out of the dog it will flare up wildly every person that walks by, the dog will just go nuts and you just have to ignore it. You can't respond to it in any way, shape or form and it flares out and it dies. And then the dog doesn't bark at anybody ever again. And I'm seeing that play out in the way that we've become so divided on every possible level yep. that I am I am hopeful that politics, this is an extinction. Politics, religion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you go on Facebook and
1: every other post is a trigger mm-hmm. and it, it's it's getting so bad to the point where you you start muting people you start unfollowing people and some of these are your close friends some of these are, are relatives and it's, it's just getting so bad it's like what team are you on
0: mm-hmm.
1: why do i have to be on the team to have an opinion yeah you know
0: so you're you're hoping that it's the burnout before because we are coming into an we are yeah. coming into a new age we're I,
2: definitely open I think it's. I think it is the beginning of the burnout. That's my hope. Yeah, people Thank need
1: you. to ascend. They <laughs> do. They do We're like bad, man. It's bad. Um, so another question we had was um, taking on other people's baggage. <gasps> when you're listening to somebody, or you're trying to help somebody, a friend, and they're just dumping on you, mm-hmm. and you're you're giving them advice, what would you say is the
2: best way to handle somebody like that? stuff. I don't give advice. Mm. That That's the big thing, particularly in coaching. Life coaching is not about giving advice. It's directive. Um, it's about asking questions to help the other person uncover their true self. So to find their journey, Yeah, they always come in like, oh, I need help. I need you to tell me what to do. No, you don't. You need to remember that you're okay. Um, there's a great passage by Virginia, Virginia Satir called I am me. And the, the entire thing is about I'm me and I'm okay coaching kind of comes out of NLP and also comes out of the work of Milton Erickson that the person coming in and all of us are okay. We've just forgotten it because the world around us tells us we're not.
3: Some trauma
0: happened, whatever. Trauma
2: happened. I look at my friend. My friend's making more money than Mm -hmm. I am. There must be something wrong with me. I didn't get a big enough piece of cake at dinner. There must be something wrong with me. No, that girl didn't want to go out with me. Must be something wrong with me. And we internalize it all rather than like, I'm okay. I'm still on the right side of the ground and I can make choices and what, and it turns into what did I learn from that? I asked that girl out. She said, no, okay. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Maybe she has something else going on, move on and keep going. Um, So my job as both a hypnotherapist and a coach is to help people remember their own strength and shine their light. Um, And, and by doing that, if I'm not giving advice, it's not my responsibility. I'm helping them. It's, it's a very freeing way to do the work that is helping them. Strangely enough, most people come in carrying other people's baggage. Mm-hmm. And my work, particularly yeah. as a hypnotherapist is to help them let go of that baggage because it's not their energy, but I carry it around like two, three ton suitcases that hold me back because I can't do it because my parents said this, or my boss said that
1: is it a sense of, of responsibility you think it is? Is um,
2: You have to carry this because it makes you a better person? Um, that Yeah, that one comes up. at the t- yeah, Look at how much I can carry. I'm so strong. I can carry all this weight. But what's it doing to you? It's not making you stronger. It's beating you down. It's not like you're going to the gym and knocking out some reps and actually building muscle. All you're doing is depleting your body, hmm. mind, body, and spirit. Wow. That's pretty deep. Man. yeah.
1: I would I wouldn't have thought. I I thought, you know, giving the advice and that's where I have a problem. I, I give the advice and then I see people not take it and I call them, You're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny because I, I usually refer yeah. to them as energy vampires. That I, I, yeah. That's where I've identified. I can finally get to the point in my life where I've identified what I refer to as energy vampires. And no, I stay away from them because all they're there to do is just suck energy out of me. Mm-hmm. So I need to store my energy if I'm on my journey and on my path toward enlightenment. You mm-hmm. know?
2: Yeah. Before sessions, my I meditate and make sure my my walls are up is I've not only for me and my protection, but also so I can hold a professional boundary for the client and stay in my space. Hmm. Do there's some things,
1: has there been, can you talk about any situation? I don't expect you to be, to, to talk about who and what, but were there any situations that got you in a, in a, in a bind where you felt you were getting a little too emotional or you were taking on baggage?
2: Uh, not so much that because I've always tried to stay aware of it. Um, The one that gets interesting is sometimes when doing parts work, dealing with parts of people, when a part comes forward, we ask, we ask it to come to the table freely. And we know that our parts are never trying to harm us. They're always trying to help us. Um, But sometimes when we're talking to a part, it's not a part of the person and whether we want it, whether it's energy, stuck energy that was taken on from a mistaken belief or we could go as dark as it is an entity that is attached to the person. Um, my very first client, when I opened my practice in Florida, we were dealing with something that was very clearly not part of her. And when we worked the process to send it away, it she turned her head and looked at me and said, you want me to come after you next? Because I'm like, it's time for you to go, oh. and, um, and then, <laughs> yeah, I'm going now. And oh, thank. Yeah. Thankfully, the training I had with the training was centered at that part of the work on. It's a universe of love, and right. everything goes back to love. So even those things that appear dark, they are just misguided. They've forgotten the way, and I, I felt the tingle on my back, and I said, "You don't have that power, and it's time for you to go now." we sent it away, man.
1: Wow. So yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure our audience could interpret that in many different ways, but you know, when you're dealing with, with darkness in general, it's, it's, it's scary, especially if you do not know how to respond and Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't have the confidence to respond. Yeah. You have
2: to have the confidence to stand there in your own power, in your own light. And that's, that's the only thing you can do is, and it it can be terrifying, but, the confidence to stand there is stronger than that thing. Hmm. So in
1: 2018, you were voted the favorite hypnotherapist and life coach in the South Bay, Los Angeles area by readers of the daily
2: breeze. Tell us more about that and what it means to you. It means a lot that I, I really started my practice here only about three years ago when, when I moved to the South Bay. So that reach out and that support, from the local, the local people, and my clients who were willing to to put that out, Cause it was it was a write-in campaign. There there was not um, a category for what I do, and I saw that there was a write-in and put myself out there, asked for support from my clients and my friends and the community at large, and I placed in that space. I'm the only hypnotherapist and life coach on that list. Well, congratulations! Thank, Thank you.
1: From, from just talking to you I feel like yeah you know what you do deserve so Ron you want to talk about the Kybalian and the seven principles and maybe have um, well we, we could all just time, chime in on it but I would really love to hear your 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 view on yes so I'll go
0: I'll start one at a time Um, the principle of mentalism the all is mind the universe is mental do you want to uh, give us your perspective on that
2: yeah, everything is an idea. And even the tables and the microphones and the books in front of us are mostly nothing. They're, they're energy and thought is energy. Everything starts with thought. So as I think it into being, um, there's a great quote from Neil Gaiman. It's actually in the front of my book um, about how if you, it, everything starts with an idea. And it, the way he writes the, this passage is, look around you. I mean, really look at the room you're in. And I'm going to point out something that's so obvious it tends to be forgotten. And it's this. Everything around you, including the walls, was at some point imagined. This space that we are so used to walking into was not always here. Somebody had an idea. They took the tools. They took the materials to make it into reality.
0: Awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The principle Uh, of correspondence. There you go
2: or as above so below. I think we talked about that as one below, with, so with above. the ego. Yeah.
1: Now the ego getting a little more into that um how does one identify it one and how does one know how how do you start to destroy it or or get rid of it? I
2: think the first way when I'm working with clients is finding out what those thought loops are that are not helpful. The thing that's telling them they are in some way limited and That's what I tend to describe as ego because it's getting in the way of their ability to shine and then what we do is connect to And there could be parts of ego that are helpful The ones that have that belief that I can do better and that's being called the 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 light of my soul calling forward Um that are supportive of that idea because like yeah, I want to I want that attention So we find out which ones are helpful which ones aren't and then we start to strengthen the ones that are helpful and push aside or realign the ones that are getting in the way because sometimes it's just a matter of realignment that they're doing a job and they're doing it really well but in that moment in the way they're acting right now coming from the belief maybe of a five or a six or a seven year old that's not helping us as adults how do, how do we shift that energy into being in alignment with where we want to go because it's it's there and it's helpful and it wants to help so let's change its perspective
1: yeah, that's.
0: And then try to redirect the negative energies to accomplish whatever goal it is that they're, mm-hmm. whatever path that they want to head down. Yeah.
2: So it could be, you know, somebody uh, of a part that um, is afraid to talk to people. Let's just use that one. The person says, you I'm shy. To, I can't talk to fears. people. Um, so how has it helped? Well, it's helped me learn how to read a room better because I'm going to sit back and watch. So. How can we now, rather than it just always keeping you as a wallflower, how can you tune into that awareness more quickly that you're not against the wall the entire time but start reading people and becoming aware of it more quickly? Because evidently it's doing a great job. Let's embrace it and shift its energy forward.
1: Hmm. Principle of vibration.
2: Everything vibrates. Everything Everything goes along with the law of attraction.
1: So getting into that, the law of attraction, the secret, right? Vibration. What I didn't like about the secret, again, is referring back to, you know, just will, will it. And, and, you know, in your mm-hmm. vibration, it's going to come. That's not true. No.
2: No. No. And it, it, with vibration, I look at it two ways. It's either we can look at it as a magnet and I'm, I'm becoming this magnetic attractor of whatever, And I'm, my magnetic energy is drawing it to me, or we can look at it as a radio or a TV signal that the thing that's looking, the thing that I'm looking for is also looking for me. So it's not just me saying I'm putting this magnet out here and attracting it. I need to send the signal out and let it find it and come back. And I need to tune into that signal. Who am I being, how do I say this? Um, If I have not attracted it to my life at this point, And I, and I have this idea of wanting it. Who do I have to be to make it happen? Because I need to start being that person and vibrating at that level. Maybe I need to level up Hmm. and I can sit here and complain all day of, I really wish I would have known that 10 years ago. I wasn't the person 10 years ago to make it happen and be in alignment with it. Right. I'm going through, it's funny. I, I talk about that a lot when I'm teaching and it just came across my awareness on a real, on a real level. 30 years ago, I was reading the first two Tony Robbins books. And flipping through I was like oh yeah just do what everybody else does find somebody mirror them yeah, yeah great thanks thanks Tony thanks for playing <laughs> and put the book away like what that just doesn't make any sense to me as a 25 year old I just grabbed those books recently and started rereading I'm like this is brilliant stuff I can't believe <laughs> I was not yeah, ready for time, it 30 years place. ago yeah, yeah. And we get stuck in those ideas that, oh, if I just would have known it 30 years ago, you were not the person ready 30 years ago. It came across your awareness. You weren't ready for it yet. It'll cycle back around.
0: Well, the other thing that I point out to a lot of guys that come through the lodge here is that just being around people of like-mindedness that have similar goals you're going to elevate, you're going to vibrate mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. frequency. You're going to elevate yourself. And if you have been at a point in your life where maybe you're struggling, sometimes coming in through these doors and being around other people that are successful in not only business, but successful have successful families and successful, just have success in general. Mm-hmm. You know, when you put yourself around those other people, you're, you're going to stuff rubs off. So you're going to mm-hmm. pick that up.
2: Yeah. And I, I like it. I forget who said it, but, um, somebody that's come across my awareness in the past couple of years that if if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the, in wrong, the wrong room. room. Yeah,
1: and that's very true. Also, on the opposite side of that spectrum, there's been times, and I posted this on on Keepers of the Word, and it was it, it got a lot of feedback because it's true. When you walk into a room with a bunch of people and you start vibing with everybody, but there's that one guy that you just don't vibe with. It's either he's sleazy, or you you just don't know, but you're not vibing with them. That's kind of, to me, that's not like your gut's telling you something like, Hey, this this is not right for you maybe at this time. Mm -hmm. And you got to pay attention to those things because sometimes the universe is talking through you and you need to listen and you need to understand that, Hey, not everybody, not every relationship, whether it's male or female is for you, you know? And and I think understanding that the the law of vibration and and law and, and vibing with people, vibing, um, it, it, we need to take it seriously, you know.
0: Absolutely, have to learn how to pay attention yes. too. I mean, that's part. I think that's a big part of yeah. intuition is being able to quiet yourself and listen and know when your gut's telling you something that you need to listen to, it and, and
2: really honoring that gut when it comes up. It's like, you meet somebody and they're really attractive, but you get that. You got that and vibe like, Whoa, it? And, and it goes, you're going to break you know, my heart. Yeah. You're and going to steal my money. It's like, <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to have a dead rabbit. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> gonna, but she's really <laughs> but hot. She's hot. Right. See, and, and not, not honoring that there's something wrong here. Exactly.
1: <laughs> we got to pay attention to those things. Now we got to, we got to start wrapping things up because we're already close to our hour, but is there any other principles that you want to talk about? Uh, the principle of rhythm, cause and effect or gender? I think,
2: I like cause and effect a lot because yeah. it's one that tends to get lost, and it reminds me of um, giving and receiving as well. That so many people come in and they want to, they want to earn more money without really. It's like I want to be rich. Okay, tell me what that means. Let's really define it down, and we go into a process. But then it's easy to get stuck in. I don't the lack mentality of I don't have enough, and that law of vibration. Mm -hmm. If I vibrate at that level of, I don't have enough, and this is how they all play together. That if I vibrate at that level of, I don't have enough, I can't give, I will, I will be stuck there. But in cause and effect, if I start giving away that, which I want to receive, I open myself up to the flow. Um, so maybe, maybe I'm down to my last 50 bucks and I've got 10 fives in my wallet and i'm walking down the street i see somebody who really is in need i have a choice of one if i even if i give them money at all but if, if my thing is to to give and because i want to open the flow to more i can either give them that five or ten bucks with a, a hesitation of i don't know that i'm ever going to see this again and i'm going to be down to 40 which is lack mentality mm. or i can stand there and say you know what I've got 50, I can give them five or 10 and because I have it and I'm free to give it away and do it as a blessing that opens the flow up because now I'm, I'm open to abundance and allowing it to come.
1: Ah, uh, gratuity. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Gratuity is, That's gratitude is a major player. Yeah,
1: major key, major key alert. Well, anyway,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is a major key though, for real wow. Gratuity. So, uh, Daniel, please tell us where we could find you. Please plug your book, everything right now.
2: Sure, you can find me on the web at uh, DanielOlexa, O-L-E-X-A dot com. Uh, you can find me on the phone at 310-746-5929. Send me an email. You can find my books on Amazon. They are about the process of creating and manifesting. One is called Practical Manifesting, which is a broader spectrum, very grounded approach to the idea of manifesting. And then the other is A Pessimist Guide to Manifesting, which is written by based on my experience and the experience of so many of us with the secret that this stuff just doesn't work, but those (laughs) laws are always working. It's we who are bringing limitation and not vibing with them correctly. And the book is about how you, how we experience those laws when we're not vibing with them correctly and how to shift our mindset to be in alignment with them.
1: Oh, awesome.
2: And they are available on Amazon.
1: That's awesome. Amazon, Daniel, Alexa, Please check them out. Give them a call, but you know, don't call them like all day, all night, <laughs> you know, be respectful. So let's talk about, let's wrap this up. Um, sponsors. Yeah. Dom. Who do we got shout outs? We got shout outs for. Oh boy. We have a lot of them.
3: Let's go, man. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's get it done. Let's go to number one. We have uh Samson technologies that's provided us with all this audio gear. Uh, we have Performance G, which is going to be a new. Um,
1: Performance com.
3: Performance com, yeah. a new group that's come on that's uh, enabled us to do this as well. Um, I mean, there's so many. And, and over the next several shows for One, One World,
1: World, OWSS.net. dot net.
3: info at OWSS.net. Uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, Facebook. Facebook Instagram. everywhere. YouTube.
0: We're there. (laughs) uh, We'll shout out to, uh, since I am the bearded one, I'll shout out to Carl Hearn with uh, Ascended Masters Clothing and the Bearded Builder. Uh, We appreciate him being a supporter of us. I know he's planning on sending us a, a memento mori beard oil that we can throw Ooh. up here with some of our other trinkets nice. on the table so as soon as we can get that from him that'll be awesome it'll go on the table here and and we'll show it off you want to pimp our pins there? yeah
1: we just got our lodge pins in today um i'm i'm keepers of the word lodge pin uh, i'm sorry yeah keepers of the word pin <laughs> <laughs> Duh. uh please uh, dm us so we so you could get them there's a limited quantity of those um, we're going to talk about our next podcast show on topic, which will bring uh, Mystic Freemasonry. Why has it been shunned from modern day lodges with guest speaker, worshipful Robert Meyer, Bobby, Bobby Meyer, past master of North Hollywood Lodge 542, a.k.a. the cigar assessor. And uh, that's it, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in this uh, is going to go on YouTube. We'll be live on Facebook and also Instagram. So thank you for tuning in. Um, good night.